you know, I was going to play Superman, and that fell apart uh, for whatever the reasons. And then I saw that movie, and I said to myself, well, that was a much more nostalgic, traditional approach to that character. And I didn't want to do that. I was going to turn that character upside down along with Tim Burton. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Cancelled Movie Report Season Two. Yes, we're kicking off the second season of Cancelled Movie Report. My name is Michael Campbell, but you can call me Cambo, and I will be your host this season. But as always, I can't do it alone. And joining me this season, as always, is actor and comedian, one half of the award-winning Game Boys comedy duo, it's Eden Porter. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Cambo. It's great to be back. Are you excited for season two? Oh, big time, big time. I've been sitting on, I've had so many great ideas in the off-season, and they're just bobbling up to just the Just ruminating now. in the yeah. back of oh, the head. Oh, what a great word, ruminating. And by the way, thank you to everyone that's reached out between seasons one and, and this season two. The feedback has been awesome, and we wanted to kick it off with what has been our most requested movie? You've probably seen it in the episode title, but this is by far our most requested. Everyone wants to, everyone is on pins and needles. You to want get some this. specifics? Because yeah. it's been requested by a few people. Oh, I, you've got I, some names? I yes. do. Yes. This is just yes, a few yes. people Stephen Doherty from Australia, uh, Noel David Mikado from New York, Miles Andrew from New South Wales, Thomas McCoy from Scotland. That's when I stopped counting. The web, this is That's our great. most requested That's great. film that we've got. And of course, it is. Superman Lives. That's right. Everyone knows a little bit of something about Superman Lives. Uh, and we thought, you know what? If, if everyone wants this, give the people what they want, Cambo. And yeah, that's that's the way to start a second season, is with what the people demand, Eden. <laughs> so, without any further ado, let's get into it. Superman has long been a beacon of popular culture. From his first appearance in Action Comics number 1, all the way back in 1938 to now... He has remained one of the most popular fictional characters of all time. And while there was a gap of Superman live-action movies for a whopping 19 years between 1987 and 2006, it might surprise you to learn that many attempts were made in the intervening years to bring the Man of Steel back to the big screen. But no project came closer to happening than the ill-fated, the infamous Superman Lives. So, Eden... This is a very popular cancel movie. In fact, it's the thumbnail of our show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've been spruiking Nicolas Cage in a Superman outfit since day one. What are the high-level things that you're aware of with this uh, with this project? NC Nicolas Cage, yeah. loving huge Superman fan in his own right. I think he's he's got a couple of first edition. Like, what does he have? Does he have number one? He had number one. He oh, really? was an owner of Action Comics number one, but it was stolen from his house. Oh, mate! Uh, I believe he even called it one of his kids Cal. Yeah, as in you know, yeah, Cal. Cal yeah, and yet I've heard a lot of little tales like over the years about uh, Superman Lives, but I think that the thing and how it all fell apart. Yeah, and that's that's probably the the big thing that you, you hear that it got so close to being this this. Yeah, new, I mean, there, there are photos link in the description to our blog to see them. But uh, Nicholas Cage in Superman suits, concept yeah. art of, uh, of Brainiac who was going to be the villain, uh, interviews with uh, Tim Burton and, and everyone that was involved. So let's go over. The, the fundamentals. So this was yep. the mid '90s that this was happening. Hang on, wh where, where was I? I was in uh, grade four. Great. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, you're trying yeah. to you're trying to work out because yeah, this was I was a bit too young to be following it, kind of because this was like in the trades and stuff. Like this was yeah. a big deal that this was happening. Uh, so mid '90s, uh, Superman hadn't been seen since the you know the '80s with yep. Superman four. 
Uh, yep. uh, that's with uh, Atomic Man, isn't it? Yes, yeah. <laughs> the one that like, there's always the one yeah. that that stops the franchise dead. Yeah. And it was that one for Superman and then Batman and, and Robin, Robin for, was for, for Batman. Yeah. Uh, so there was a script. In fact, there was multiple scripts for Superman kind of floating around because it's a huge moneymaker and they mm. wanted to keep making Superman movies, but they just didn't really know how. And uh, if we're talking about Superman Lives, there's an important figure that's going to come up a lot whenever it is kind of talked about, which is the producer, John Peters. Yes. Uh, infamous Hollywood producer. <laughs> could, uh, you see, could you name some of his other uh, great producing efforts? Well, we do get into one in the, in the next episode. Oh, good. Uh, but Batman, the, the Tim Burton Batman he produced. Uh, well, he started as Barbara Streisand's hairdresser. Yes, that's And the... then producing her movies and then, yeah. <laughs> As you do, as it, most producers start Classic off as hairdressers. Trajectory. That's like, look, I'm a hairdresser now. I'll get into the business <laughs> through doing hair, and then eventually I'll become yeah, a producer. It's, it's the famous Jerry Bruckheimer story. Yeah. <laughs> so, at this point in the mid '90s, there was a current script for a a movie called Superman Reborn, and uh, this was set for a 1997 release. And at the same time, Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, he, he was kind of on the up and up. He'd, he'd made Clerks, Clerks and yeah. he had just finished making Chasing Amy, which was getting a lot of attention uh, for being you know, particularly well-written. He was offered rewrite work for Warner Brothers and he saw that they had a Superman script and he told them that he wanted to read it more than anything. He's like, I'd love to do that. So throughout this episode, there's, there's a couple of things I want to uh, point out is we're going to be pulling a lot of audio clips uh, and there's two main sources uh, one is a very famous story told by Kevin Smith on his Evening with Kevin Smith DVD. So you're going to hear a lot of clips from that. And the other one is there's a feature-length documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? And uh, it, it interviews key cast members and whatnot. So Kevin Smith, he really wanted to read the Superman script. So they actually gave it to him to take home. And he read through it and he hated it. <laughs> and he stormed back into Warner Brothers the next week with all of his feedback from the script. I got home and I called my friend Walters back in Jersey. He's a big comic book fan. And I was like, dude, I just went into Warner Brothers and told them their script for Superman sucked. <laughs> rebel, rebel, Jersey represent. <laughs> Fuck Hollywood. <laughs> and Walters like, well, why didn't you just offer to write a better version? And I was like, ah. Because <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. I said, Fuck. But it didn't matter because the next day I got a call from my agent and he was like, hey, they want to see you at Warner Brothers again. And it went on like that. It went on like that for almost a whole straight week. I would go back, there'd be another person in the room. And I kept saying the same shit over and over. And finally, I got to the guy at the top, who was Lorenzo de Bonaventura. Now there's like six to eight guys sitting around a large table with Lorenzo at the one end and me at the other. And they're all like, tell him, tell Lorenzo what you told us about Superman. And so I launch into my spiel and shit. And Lorenzo's the first guy who's like, well, what would you do differently? And I said, um, well, I hadn't thought about it, but I mean, I guess you could try this, 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 and that, and that. And he's nodding and shit, and he's like, well, you know what? We're going to give a shot at it. So there you go. Kevin Smith was officially offered the job to write the Superman screenplay. So this kind of set it in motion again because they were much happier with the screenplay that he turned in. And then uh, suddenly there was a director attached as well, which was Eden. Yep. Tim Burton. Tim Burton, yes. exactly. One, I think there's three key things people know about this film. Uh, Nicolas Cage, Superman, Kevin Smith script, Tim, Tim Burton, Burton director. Yeah. Uh, so here's, here's a point I want to make. Uh, this episode is kind of a, a mashup, an amalgamation, if you will, because we've been equally requested to talk about Tim Burton's Superman Live and Kevin Smith's Superman Lives. 
but those two don't necessarily live side by side. The script that uh, Tim Burton was going to direct finally was pretty different from the one that Kevin Smith turned in. But what, what I've decided to do here is mash up Kevin Smith's script, which is the more popular one, with all of the choices that Tim Burton was making oh for his God, film. Oh, my God, Kemba, you're blowing my mind here. There, there is another script floating around by Dan Gilroy. Get I'll, it in, I'll, get I'll, it in. Well, get it I want to do a quick shout-out <laughs> because we were contacted by a guy called Tim Maxwell. And he has put together an audio play of Dan Gilroy's Superman Lives script. So if you kind of, if you enjoy this Kevin Smith one, but you want to know the other version, it's linked in the episode notes. You can go and listen to the Dan Gilroy version as well. So let's talk about cast. Uh, Probably what this film is most known for. We've, we've, Gone over Superman, Nick Cage. So uh, what I've got here is a clip of John Peters kind of explaining the reason why he chose Nicolas Cage as Superman. Yeah, so it was your it was your call to get Nicolas Cage. Yes, it was my call, my idea, yeah. He could create a character that was an alien from another planet. So why couldn't he be a dark alien and light? I didn't want to make someone who was just pink. I wanted something for the street. <laughs> there you Hang go. On. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> he didn't want anyone that was just pink. What? what? Is, is this a communist reference? <laughs> Damn pinkos. Um, but what does he mean by that? I, I literally you, have no come idea. Come on, break it down. Uh, I, I have no idea what that means. He can play someone. He can play a light alien. Yeah. But so he why can can't he play, play a dark, dark alien? Because he just doesn't, doesn't want, want anyone pink. that's pink. And he wants Superman that's from the streets. Yeah, I know. Superman from the streets. Yeah. A crypto of blood, Superman. <laughs> so that that is the the well-known uh, casting part of this. Now, are you as aware of some of the other casting? Some of these confirmed. Some of these were just heavily rumored. No, time. I just, yeah, I think my casting rumors stop at uh, Nicolas Cage. Although I thought there was a comedic sidekick that was someone weird. Uh, yeah, cool. well, I've got a, I've got a cast well, list here. Yeah, so yeah, Lois Lane, uh, rumored by John Peters to be Sandra Bullock, though oh. that the only source of that is John Peters saying that yeah, it definitely would have been her. <laughs> and you know, he's it, he's not on quite he's not quite on planet Earth. He's not a reliable narrator. <laughs> no, he's not. No. Lex Luthor, uh, the the speculation for the longest time was actually Kevin Spacey. It was something oh, that yeah. happened eventually. Yeah. Here's a point I want to make. In this show, we kind of go to lengths to voice match as many people as we can to make it as authentic as possible. Yeah. When it came to Lex Luthor, my thought was, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, to, yeah. in case anyone has yeah. that note, we know, we know. We didn't want to ask any actor to do the best Kevin, Kevin Spacey, Spacey they can. Yeah. No, no, good. Fair call, fair call. Okay, so uh, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, so Jimmy Olsen was cast as Chris Rock. No. Yes. Really? Yes. And here's a clip of uh, Kevin Smith talking about when he first found that out. Yeah, I think I think we were talking about Chris. Yeah. Yeah, I like Chris. Yeah. Yeah. That that sounds about right. <laughs> Chris Rock came into work one day on Dogma and was like, guess who's playing Jimmy Olsen? And I was like, you? And he goes, why not me? I was like, I'm just asking. I was like, that's awesome. He's going, just got the call today. So there you go. Wow. Jimmy Olsen was going to be played by Chris Rock. Uh, and kind of old for Jimmy Olsen, who's normally kind of it's like kind of a... Youngish sort of yeah, like... Yeah, he's like an intern at the Daily This Planet. just in. But yeah. like a good comic relief casting, I think. Yeah, great. But the best part of the cast... Oh, here we go. Brainiac. Oh, yeah. Brainiac, the main villain, villain yeah. of this movie. <gasps> Do you have any idea who was cast as Brainiac? 
Um, no, no, it's someone. So it's in someone famous in the nineties. Academy Award winner. Oh, what? Oh, it's not Marlon Brando. Academy Award winner, <laughs> Christopher Walken. I also had Sir Christopher Walken in mind for Brainiac. One of the reasons why we all liked Walken was because he's both a very menacing cat, but he's also very funny, right? So there's that off, there's a slightly off-centered quality to who he is. And Brainiac can come across, I think, very cold and very intellectual. Christopher, Christopher Walken. There exists some kind of alternate reality in which Nicolas Cage and Christopher Walken, Walken, both in like Technicolored suits, would face off against each other. That's amazing. It's hey, do you know, a, so good casting. F- fun fact, Christopher Walken, I read a thing about, you know, he, he's got a distinctive way of talking. Yeah. It's because when he grew up, he was living with a lot of people that didn't speak English as, oh, right. as, their, first, as their first Is that true? language. And they would think about what words to say in English. So, <laughs> so as a result, he stops because he just picked it up when he was very young <laughs> like that. That is awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Uh, so cast somewhat set, director set. Love it. Now, we're going to get into the story in just a moment, but before we do, there's a piece of audio I want to play because it's going to pre-explain some things that we're going to hear a little bit later on. Uh, there was rules to the movie set by John Peters. I've heard some of these that, rules. That yeah. Kevin Smith had yeah. to stick to. So what I want to do is I want to play you these rules. Oh, great. So then later on, we can kind of break down how we think they might affect the story. So, these- al- so you could almost get like a bingo card. Yeah. And as they come yeah. up, you can tick them off. So you can play at home. Great idea. Here are the rules John <laughs> Peters insisted that Kevin Smith follow. He's like, I got some directives for you. If you're going to move forward on the process, some things I want you to do and don't in the script. He's going three things. Okay, I said, all right. One, I don't want to see him in that suit. Two, I don't want to see him fly. And three, he's got to fight a giant spider in the third act. And I'm like, let's, let's go back to one. When you say you don't want him in the suit, he's like, don't want to see him in it. Don't want it. looks too faggy, he goes. And I was just like, no fags on the street, I take it. <laughs> but I don't, I don't say that because I want the fucking job. So uh, he said, flying, flying. I don't want to see him fly. I said, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the suit and flying defines Superman. So don't want to see it. Don't want to see him fly. No scenes where he's flying around carrying people. Horseshit. <laughs> said, all right, all right, no flying. I said, but the giant spider intrigues me. Why, uh, why that? And he's like, do you know anything about spiders? And I said, I mean, no. And he said, well, they're the fiercest killers in the insect kingdom. Fairly simple. Just Fairly three simple, simple rules. Easy to follow. We know who was going to direct it. We know who was going to write it. A bit of an amalgamation of those two versions. We know that the proposed cast and we know the rules. Uh, just as a note before we get in as well, this is taken mainly from the fandom wiki for Superman Lives. I want to give them credit for their outline. Expanded by us, obviously, as well. Let's get in to Superman Lives. The story opens in space. An alien spaceship. Two humanoid aliens dressed in uniforms pilot their craft nearer to the asteroid. Receiving a signal from the alien system but there's interference on the channels. 
The other alien says, Once we get it past the asteroid, it should clear up. Suddenly, through the windshield, you see tentacles shoot out of the asteroid. The asteroid reveals itself to be Brainiac's skull ship, piloted by a mechanical aide, Alron. It destroys the alien craft to drain it and its passengers of their energies. The aliens latch for their laser gatlings and fire, but they cause no damage. Brainiac instead grabs the weapons, jamming them into his body, consuming the lasers into his form, energizing. He drops the guns, and his hands morph into tendrils, which plunge into the chest of the terrified aliens and absorb their life force, making them husks. At which point they explode, covering the cabin in goo. Brainiac inhales deeply, recharged. What, what, what do you think of that as a little hey, bit of an That's a great little opening, mate. I would just wonder what, I would wonder what the aliens, refer to them as aliens. Yeah. Whether they're humanoid aliens or xenomorphs or. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're just that, that yeah. little cheeky crossover. Yeah. <laughs> mate, it's a strong starting. But I, I am picturing, I must admit, like the generic silver jumpsuit. Alien <laughs> sort of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Big bulbous eyes, little jumpsuits. Yeah, and they've got their alien Gatling guns. Gatling guns, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, great little opening and Brainiac absorbing all the energy. He loves to absorb. Hey. There's one thing I know about Brainiac. He either shrinks cities or absorbs energy. <laughs> well, so he's absorbed these two aliens in their ship. But this is only a temporary fix. Brainiac is seeking out a mysterious Kryptonian battery with which he thinks he could sustain himself indefinitely. There's a little MacGuffin for you. Oh, okay. Now, the Skull ship comes into contact with an intergalactic greeting probe that was created by Lex Luthor. The greeting extends a warm welcome to any and all intelligent life outside of Earth, inviting them to Luthor's planet. Brainiac ignores the message until Luthor mentions that Earth is home to a visitor of Kryptonian descent. Brainiac believes that this may be the source of energy that he has long sought. My days of scavenging are over, Aaron. Lock on to this transmission and follow it to this earth he speaks of. So there's your first little taste (laughs) of Christopher Walken as Brady. Good Christopher Walken. (laughs) And as soon as it starts, you go, oh yeah. I'm in. (laughs) I'm in for this. (laughs) So uh, Brainiac now says, well... Kryptonian on Earth, he might have this Kryptonian battery that I need. No, he doesn't say that, Kemba. He says, there may be a <laughs> Kryptonian battery on Earth. That's that's what he says. Now, I hear you asking, who is Alron? Yeah, yeah. What well, is? I've never heard of. No, I, I've never so heard of Brainy having a sidekick. Alron is is Brainiac's robotic sidekick. He, it's like he's he's a little aide. He comes and he assists like uh, Brainiac. C-3PO. Why does Alron exist, you may ask? Yeah. Well, let's have Kevin Smith explain. I said, what'd you think? He was going, interesting, interesting flick, which in Hollywood means I didn't like it at all. He's going, you know what I really like, though? He's going, the, the black guy, the gay black guy. I like that. I like that a lot. I like his voice. I said, yeah, Dwight, he's very funny. And he said, that's what we need in our movie. <laughs> and I was like, you want Dwight to be in the movie? I know he'd fucking be happy to do it. He said, no, we just need that voice. We need that, that character, somebody like him in our movie. Can't Brainiac have a sidekick? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And he's like, give him a little robot sidekick and give him that dude's voice. I said, really? You want the the robot to sound like a gay black man? And he said, that's what this movie needs, is a fucking, just a gay R2-D2. 
So there you go. Alron is the gay R two D two of this movie. Fantastic. So Brainiac sets the skull ship immediately. He sets a course for Earth. Now we're back on Earth, and a Nightline type program based in Metropolis is discussing the controversial voters' bill that would uh, effectively outlaw superheroes. Superman, friend to Earth or hindrance? Tonight we take a closer look at the Man of Steel. Does the existence of a seemingly godlike vigilante impact the world positively or negatively? Examining this with us tonight is LexCorp CEO and Metropolis's second most well-known figure, Lex Luthor. Mr. Luthor, you've been the most vocal proponent of the Wortham Act, the bill that seeks to outlaw costume vigilantes in the greater metropolitan area. Given that Superman is the sole individual who could fall under this criteria, the question begs asking, why so much distrust of the man of tomorrow? I'm no enemy of Superman, Ted. Quite the contrary. I find his flair for fashion and whimsical abilities very, uh, David Copperfield. Such a crowd-pleasing showman who makes Metropolis his home is, is a boon for the tourist trade. But, uh, I do question the good that Superman represents for the human race. Beyond entertainment value. Such as? Well, hating the planet at every turn against war, famine, natural disaster, for starters, represents a complete freeze in the evolutionary process. And one of his more immediate side effects on our society, having Superman make his home in Metropolis is a veritable call to arms for any psychotic with wet dreams of world domination. The Wortham Act would be a deterrent for those who might consider jumping into a pair of tights and challenging the Man of Steel to a battle royale right here in the streets of our fair city. An interesting position, Mr. Luther, but one that I'm sure your opposition will refute. We welcome City Beat reporter for the Daily Planet, Lois Lane. This proposed act, which even Metropolis's own Governor Bree opposes, is nothing more than Lex's one-man crusade against Superman. Outlawing the Man of Steel would be like removing the soul of the city. I mean, can anyone even remember what Metropolis was like before Superman arrived? As I recall, there were less red, white, and yellow souvenir stands. Miss Lane, have you ever been able to look past your blind allegiance to this off-worlder to think that maybe he employs the criminals to improve his PR? For all we know, they're on his books. In Salem, it was a witch hunt. In Hollywood, it was the Red Scare. Leave it to your fertile imagination to come up with Cape Gate. The vehement defense you put up for him. I'd say the only thing fertile around here is someone's hopes of carrying a super brat one day. That's it. We'll be right back. So, yeah, there's Lois Lane jumping across the TV set to punch. Punch, like fist fight, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. beat up. Like, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, now, at the same time, the governor, Governor Bree, who was just mentioned, and his son are making a public appearance at a restaurant in one of the less glamorous neighborhoods of Metropolis when they're suddenly attacked by Deadshot. So, this is what I quite like about the fact that Kevin Smith was the writer is obviously a big comic book fan he like pulls in kind of outside elements into these which wouldn't have like ever been done before oh because if you think about it so you're thinking about this from like an mcu point of view you're yeah. like oh well, yeah of course yeah. there'd be like other people yeah. like in this and deadshot like traditionally a batman villain yeah but yeah he could pop up in a superman movie there's no reason he couldn't 
Yeah, and that, that would never have been done before because no. it was very much like, okay, who's the villain in yeah. this? But these are more sort of incidental, yep. nice little, oh, Kevin so, Smith ahead of his time. So Deadshot pops up and the villain and his gang cause a scene and kidnap the governor's son and make a hasty escape. Before they know it, their kidnap is foiled by an appearance of Superman. Now, it should be noted that uh, they describe him not as flying so much as like a red blur or, you know. Because oh, you, you can't show him flying, Cambo. Yes. Though, yeah. uh, to, to point out, he is in his traditional Superman costume Oh, okay. at this point. Oh, okay. Now, the hero defeats the villains and returns the governor's son. Before leaving, Superman glances down at Deadshot's wrist revolver. Superman's x-ray vision point of view, we see the, first the weapon, then through the weapon and into the components that make it tick. Zoom in on a set of microscopic serial numbers etched into a tiny chip. Superman shakes his head. What a shock. Luthor. So Lex Luthor has left his little serial number. On his, like, Luthor tech. Yeah, on the weapons that Deadshot had to to kidnap their governor and his son. So unbeknownst to anyone, all of this is being observed by Brainiac and Alron as the skull ship hovers outside of Earth's orbit. And Brainiac says that perhaps... He derives his powers from the Eradicator. What's the Eradicator? Hey, what? what? Oh, I thought I missed something. So no, we don't no, know no. what the Eradicator is. No, no, it's just a little tease. That's Chekhov's Eradicator. Er- oh. Now, still reeling from being punched on live television by Lois Lane, <laughs> Luther and his valet slash bodyguard slash lover, Misty, retreat to the LexCorp building. You want to break that down quickly? So, hang on, is is Misty a character that I'm just not aware of from comic books, or is that? Yeah, because uh, he he does tend to have a secretary in the comics yeah. and the movies, but Misty is kind of a, a new character for this. For this okay, uh, that is a valet slash bodyguard slash lover, or if not a new character, one that I'm not that aware of. Yeah. So they retreat to the LexCorp building, and then during his elevator trip, punch comes through the ceiling, and Lex is suddenly ripped through the roof. Fifth floor, hair care products. One of these days, they're going to pass the Wortham Act. And then, one of these nights, I'll be able to blast your pajama-clad ass out of the sky. Legally. Speaking of acts of violence, did you hear the one about Hobbs Bay? See, this guy wants to get this anti-Superman bill passed. So he hires a few masked goons to threaten the governor to speed the bill along. (sighs) But here's here's the punchline. He's got such a big ego, he demands a serial number from his company show up somewhere on the hardware he provided his hired mercenaries, thus implicating him in a federal offense. (laughs) Isn't that a gut buster? I'm putting you behind bars. No. Proof. Load it. Hardware with self-destructs triggered by the radiation waves of your X-ray vision. Then, then maybe I should save the courts of Metropolis the time. Make myself the judge, jury. Superman hooks his foot under a bar on the elevator and starts towing the car up the shaft at an alarming rate. Special Executioner! They are fast approaching the top of the shaft, jagged and deadly. Superman nonchalantly checks his nails on his free hand. Lex jams his eyes shut, 
then Superman stops, thus stopping the car as well. Luther's head is a half inch from the nasty spike. You're hardly worth the effort. He drops Lex and disappears in a burst of red. There you go, Superman not messing around. That sounds very dark for a Superman film. Very dark. Because I imagine that that Nick Cage would be into like the very brooding side of Superman. Yeah, it feels more almost Batman-y. It does feel kind of like Batman-y, doesn't it? Apart from the fact that he can a... lift an elevator. Yeah, except for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even then, you know Batman like dangles people off buildings? Like, yeah. What are you? Yeah, 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 yeah all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's very dark. Superman's very... meant to be but all-American. I, I love a face-to-face Lex Luthor versus Superman. Yeah. Lex always one step ahead as well. Yeah, well, he's got some way out of it. Yeah, always. Yeah, of course. Always. So his X-ray vision blows up the tech yeah, when yeah, he see, uses it's like a radiation from his yeah. X-ray vision makes the, the serial numbers disintegrate. Yeah. Sure. Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> so after this row with Luther, Superman secretly meets Lois Lane at the Daily Planet building on, top, uh, on the roof. Now, Hang on, does, can I just say, does Lois know the well, Clark? And are we getting to that? We're getting yeah, to that. Sorry, so sorry, sorry, Superman sorry, yeah. meets Lois Lane, yeah, that's but Lois Lane comes and she plants one straight on Superman, long and passionate. Superman breaks the kiss and he steps back and he says Miss Lane I have something to tell you and he takes the glasses out and puts them on and says I'm actually Clark Kent it's a little kind of playful romantic reversal of that uh, that trip they know it's, like she knows that he is Superman oh okay cool he's playing okay, so around this is just mucking around because yeah, yeah. I was like that's a big moment to just throw away <laughs> yeah he's playing around they clearly they know each other and th- they're dating in this and she knows that he's Superman so Lois goes wide-eyed and pretends to faint, and Superman rushes forward and catches her, making it apparent that the two are romantically involved and that Clark Kent has informed Lois of his dual identity sometime before. It's well, good It's good to just get that out of the way, I think. I think so. Like, in a script like this, everyone knows that. Everyone's seen that happen yeah. before. It's just like, you know what? Kevin's just going, we'll just get straight to the meat. They're already dating. This yeah. is what people want to I see. I think that, like, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, Spider-Man, you know, Uncle Ben has died. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. need to you show it see, anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. just a known thing. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Lois and Clark being together is just a thing. Yeah. So Lois asks if they're having Burger King again. But Superman suggests something a little more monumental. We now cut to the two spending the rest of their evening having a picnic atop Mount Rushmore. <laughs> This is uh, I love the Burger King like shout out, like like legitimately Burger King. That's a good bit of product placement made its way from script even into like script breakdown into this podcast. So, yeah, they're on top of Mount Rushmore having a picnic, and during the meal, they discuss their relationship. And which Clark would like to take the next step, he thinks they're on a plateau, you know, he, he wants to get married. But Lois is cautious of taking such a step. She would not want to be responsible for the guilt that he would likely feel by ignoring major emergencies to fulfill, you know, marital or parental duties. So they're kind of like at a bit of a crossroads, old, old okay, Lois and. So they're Clark. having. So they're having. They're on top of Mount Rushmore. Yep. They're on. Uh, what are we? What are we saying? Washington's head or yep. something like yep. that. And they're having like a marital. Like I want to get married. I don't. You. You're gonna rush. Yeah. Off it's kind of like you know. Like when are we gonna take the next step? Yeah. And, and I think rightly so. She's kind of saying like you're quite important. Yeah. You're you just can't kind of be out of the game to, to, to raise a kid, kid when yeah. there's hundreds of people potentially dying. 
just to know that, yeah, their relationship, you know, it, they're, they're bringing up these kind of interesting aspects, which I haven't actually seen in a Superman movie before. Yeah, I know. There should be more Superman movies where they go to, like, couples counselling yeah. and they work <laughs> through their problems together. And, yeah, yeah, nice resolution at the end. Now, at the same time, we cut back to uh, Lex Luthor's office. And Lex Luthor is kind of, you know, regaining. He's just been attacked by Superman. His plans are not working when suddenly... A visitor crashes through the window. Ah, Lex Luthor, above. I am Brainiac. A pair of LexCorp soldiers burst through the doors. Kill it! The soldiers open fire at Brainiac, but he absorbs the bullets. Then he sucks the energy right out of their bodies. I've come to discuss the Kryptonian you mentioned in your homing message. Misty. Clean up what's left of those guys. Lex and Brainiac eye each other cautiously until Lex motions toward the desk. Brainiac follows, but stops short when he sees Lex's computer. This technology... Brainiac's hand then reconfigures into something that he inserts into the computer. LexTech Prime. My computer division builds these things. It's the most cutting edge. The most sophisticated, the most... Primitive. Ancient. Yes, well, you obviously know whereof you speak. This Kryptonian you mentioned, I know him as well. Unit 9, full display. The image on the monitors align into a single visual of Superman in action. He is my mortal enemy. The object of my ire. The... You're a... Not a friend of his, by any chance, are you? Where I come from, we destroy that which impedes our progress. Why haven't you done the same? Kill Superman? Look, I've had everyone who was ever a thorn in my side done away with. From my third grade teacher to my third wife. Nothing eases the friction like... You know what I'm saying? Superman would have been as dead as white weddings if it weren't for the fact that he's from Krypton, whatever the hell that is, which means he can't be killed. I watched Krypton die screaming, Lex Luthor. Invulnerable is something its inhabitants weren't. He is aided by technology of some sort. A machine? As far as we can tell, Pinocchio has no strings on him. Then, it must be chemistry. It must be affected by this planet. Radioactive shards of our destroyed homeworld would be toxic to his system. Kryptonite. I've spent the last two years and millions of LexCorp dollars trying to synthesize the stuff. And you know what it yielded? The Chia Pet. Lex places a Chia Pet on his desk beside a model of a space station with large, mirrored panels. Oh, one of LexCorp's long-range goals. A solar conductor. One of these days, this puppy's going to make me a multi-billionaire. Going to draw energy directly from the sun's surface and sell it to the masses. Brainiac presses something on the model and a huge gun turret pops out. That is a long, long-range goal. Massive, solar-powered cannon. Uh, We're thinking concentrated sunbeams might fry a hole through the Man of Steel. It's a stretch, but 
Hey, a guy's gotta have a dream. Blasting him with a solar beam only enhances powers. This world is fueled by the light of a yellow sun, is it not? Last time I checked, why? Krypton too was fueled by a sun, a red sun. The actual construct of this, is it operational? Eh, maybe in 20 years, but for what it's worth, it's already up there. Surrender it to me. I'll augment it with my own technology. Provide this to me, and you'll not only have your solar conductor the 20 years ahead of schedule, but this Superman will be... POW! As you say. All the capital, material, and technologies of my company are at your service. If you can kill Superman, you accomplish that, and to this planet's inhabitants, I'll make you a god. So Lex and Brainiac oh. working together. The Unholy Alliance. So he has a satellite, Lex does, and it's called the Shadowcaster. Mm -hmm. And the idea of it was originally to harness the energy of the sun, but Brainiac uses this satellite and he partially blocks out the sun. This effect, we cut back to the monument on top of the, on top of the head. Yeah. And Clark Kent momentarily loses power and he starts to fall. And he nearly falls off the face of Rush, uh, Mount Rushmore. But it doesn't last too long. The satellite comes back away from the sun and he kind of brushes it off. Now, Brainiac claims that this test was perfect and he knows just what to do. Alron says, Let's kill the cape. <laughs> Thanks, sidekick. <laughs> Hang on, I didn't realize um I didn't realize Superman, what if he gets if he's in his shadow for like a second, second <laughs> he suddenly loses his entire powers. I don't remember that being yeah, a thing. Because it's always been like he's recharged by the yellow sun. But surely what? he has some charge Charged. in him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, interesting. One of my favorite things about this scene, which is a real uh, it, it really highlights when this was written is that Lex says all of his research into uh, kryptonite, all it's yielded is a chia pet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does date it, doesn't it? It really does date it. I, I love the idea that it's just full of like mid 90s references. And even the fact that he's talking about like, I've spent millions of dollars on it. It's like, that would be billions these yeah, yeah, days. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like, I spent like, I two million dollars. So here's what I think is, is very evident, like from that scene in particular, but the script as a whole, is Kevin Smith and his snappy dialogue. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, it seems very- There's a couple of like pockets yeah. of really kind of fun, interesting dialogue. I love the line where, he, where you know, Lex proposes that they're indestructible. And Brainiac says, like, I saw their whole planet crumble. Indestructible is something they definitely were not. Yeah. Like just really fun turns of phrases. Back and forth stuff, yeah. And I think that like- there is real credibility, I think, to someone like a Kevin Smith who love him or hate him for the movies that he creates, like the viewer skew kind of stuff. But he clearly knows these characters and he clearly knows how to make yeah. them interact with each other. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's I think it's just really good. And it's just that's something that sometimes you miss from a lot of superhero films. It's just some really good dialogue and yeah. some really great 
Yeah. yeah, like interesting dialogue, an interesting dynamic of character, which is honestly something I don't think we properly got until the MCU was in full swing. Yeah, yeah true. When suddenly like, oh, I guess Ant-Man is talking to Iron Man and this is how I imagined that they would act Interact. with each other. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think like full credit from you know, 1996, I suppose, when this was written for production in 97. Like a lot of it is there. A lot of what people really like about the MCU is already kind of yeah. in the script. Although I will say though, I think you missed a trick. When um when Brainiac comes in and smashes in to, to Lex's place and they're talking and he sucks the, the life out of the guys yeah. and then he sort of says, Oh, you take what's left of them there. No, the the better line, Mr. Smith, <laughs> would be he smashes in and instead of saying take them out take them out, he should say, Missy, cancel my three o'clock. <laughs> And I put down the yeah, phone. Like the phone, yeah. the, the receiver at the ear. Yeah. yeah. And the slow <laughs> put down as he says it. After seeing his guards get uh, the life force sucked out of them. It's like, come on, Kevin. Well, here's my question. Two guards. Is that the opportunity for a little Jay and Silent Bob cameo? Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> that is so good. Why did we take this job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're getting stoned outside. Yeah. I definitely need a cameo. <laughs> one of the guards is real lippy. Yeah. <laughs> And the other one doesn't say much. <laughs> so we now cut back to the skull ship at night and a tube rockets from the rear of the ship and heads toward Earth. A little capsule, if you will. A little escape pod. No spoilers. <laughs> now, we're in Metropolis Park at night and the capsule rockets into the atmosphere and it pierces the ground and embeds itself deep within the Earth, unseen. The next day, Lois and Clark meet up with Jimmy Olsen Chris Rock oh, yeah, good. and Perry White, where they give them their assignments for the day. And during a private moment, Lois and Clark briefly continue the previous night's conversation. Suddenly, the journalists all look up from their keyboards as the room begins to shake. The ground shakes, thunderous roars emit from the capsule hole that was made last night. Clark looks over at Lois. Earthquake. Can't be. I checked the crustal plates just last month. Something has arrived on Earth that is causing a disturbance. Any ideas about what it could be? Uh, so, it, so it's come out of it's come out of Brainiac's ship, yeah. Yep. Crushed into the Earth in a pod, and now something is rumbling from beneath the Earth. Maybe it's. I reckon it's like a someone like a prisoner that's been on um, Brainiac's oh, ship, and okay. they've escaped. And they're okay. going to come down and then they're going to join forces with Superman. Okay, so maybe like a classic, uh, like a Superman villain, like a Zod, Zod or something. Yeah, right? I was okay. thinking that, yeah. Well, Perry White tells Lois and Clark that there are some reports of something in Metropolis Park and Lois tells him that they're on it. It's not doomsday, is it? Clark tells Lois to stay clear oh, as he has a bad feeling about this. He flies off to investigate the park. Superman arrives and starts looking around. Suddenly... Two grey meaty paws erupt from the earth, pulling Superman underground. Superman emerges from the muck, spitting out the waste. He wipes his eyes clean and looks up to see an unearthly monster. Ferocious and grey in appearance, leathery skin, pockmarked with rock-like protrusions. Doomsday has arrived. That's written in bold. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. It's not Solomon Grundy. (laughs) (laughs) Now we hear a high-pitched shriek sound. Superman winces, the sound filling his head. The shriek fades. We hear a tapping, as if on a microphone. Is this thing on? Hello, blue boy. It's your better, Luther. 
speaking to you from the frequency that only super hearing can detect. And then suddenly, the beast leaps at the Man of Steel. The pair begin their fight, throwing punches and kicks. Doomsday grabs Superman by the cape and swings him through the side of the tunnel. Doomsday pulls aside concrete, giving himself a clear passage into the other tunnel, where Superman appears from nowhere, uppercutting the tremendous beast, sending him flying. From the skull ship, Brainiac and Elrond watch Superman battle the creature, which they have created. They have created. They just uh, made Doomsday. Or maybe he's pre-created. And he's now, here's one I prepared earlier. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, but Doomsday was created by Brainiac. They launched their satellite, blocking all the sunlight. Oh no, that's his over one weakness. the city. Superman is weakened as the sun is now completely blocked off by the satellite. Seeing this on the news and ignoring Superman's warning, Lois starts running towards Metropolis Park. The fight continues, but Superman is is weak now. He's being beaten to a pulp. He's thrown around by the giant creature like a rag doll. Superman hears Lex's voice booming in his head. You had no business here from the start, Kryptonian. But here, you'll die. I just wanted you to know who it was that beat you. Boy. Close up. Lois catches eyes with Superman. Yeah. He's he's picking himself up from the ground, but he's he's nearly dead. Yeah. And he catches eyes with Lois and he smiles. And Lois at first smiles through the tears as well until she realizes what it means. The pair throw their last punches, connecting with one another's heads. The shock of their mortal blows explode like a sonic boom throughout Metropolis. Lois rushes over to a collapsed Superman and craters him just long enough. Is... is it... You did it, Clark. And Superman dies in her arms. What? As the city watches on. Well, that was the end of part one of Kevin Smith and Tim Burton's Superman Lives. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and we would love it for you to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. It really does help us get discovered in the charts. It'd also be terrific if you could leave us a five-star rating, or most importantly of all, tell a friend. We're completely independent here at the Cancelled Movie Report, and your support really does mean the world to us. What, what do you think of the movie so far, and have we missed anything? We'd love to hear from you, and you can always get in touch with us via cancelledmovies at gmail.com or at cancelledmovies on all of the socials. And maybe there's a cancelled movie report that you've always wanted to hear. Why not let us know? You can fill out a form in the episode description alerting us to a project, and we may just give it the cancelled movie report treatment. I'm Michael Campbell, and I've hosted and edited this episode, and it imported with my co-host too. And we both produced the show. We would also like to thank our amazing voice cast, all of which are listed in the episode notes. And make sure you're listening next week to hear what happens. But if you can't wait, here's a, a little sneak peek. Today marks a terrible day for our planet Krypton. The Superman, as you call him, was a herald of the highest order, having gone before me to many planets, preparing them for first contact. I stand before you now in the spirit 
of hope and peace. But until next time, take care.